What's up, y'all, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, back in action after a two-week break. I apologize for the delay getting these podcasts out. I was on the shelf with bronchitis, but I've finally been cleared to play. I'm back in action, and we've got a big week coming up. Today is December 9th, 2019. This is the first of three podcast episodes that I will be recording this week. I'll, I'll tell you about what we got coming up today in a little bit. Later this week, I'm recording an episode with Paul Oren from the Northwest Indiana Times where we will give our picks for the all-decade sports teams of the 2010s, including our all-decade MLB team, NFL team, college basketball team, and NBA team. So that is going to be a lot of fun. Then I've got a bonus episode coming out that I will be recording on the weekend with Tommy Weber. Last year, we did an episode that was very popular where we talked about the Santa Claus, the 1994 Christmas movie starring Tim Allen. Tis the season right now. It's Christmas time already. It's been a fast year, and it's time for the sequel. We're going to do the Santa Claus 2 That's going to be a lot of fun. So keep your eyes out for that. Today, though, we have a college football championship weekend recap. One of the great weekends of the year just wrapped up. And we're going to recap the games from the weekend. We've got some NFL talk. And we've also got the Major League Baseball winter meetings getting started this morning. So much to get to today. So now I'd like to bring in our guest for today. He's a Purdue Boilermaker. He's pumped up about the big win from last week that the men's basketball team had over University of Virginia. How are you doing today, Jake Poliga? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. That's a 29-point uh, victory over number 5 Virginia, too, just to uh, clarify <laughs> that up there. Unbelievable. I, I don't even think that – was that game even on ESPN or – uh, it was ESPN two, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So it was relegated yeah. to the. It was the second tier, is the way they were looking at that one, and uh, they were not. No one was prepared for the shellacking that the Boilermakers had in store. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely classic from uh, the national media, just kind of throwing Purdue, throwing Purdue down the down the dumps. But we're gonna have a good team this year. We're super young. Yeah, I I like what they've got this year with Matt Harms and Nigel. Eastern, I, I believe I said his first name correctly. <laughs> no gel, but it was close. It was close. <laughs> <laughs> they got a good squad. They got a great coach, and the Big Ten is looking very tough this year. Yeah, I know Big Ten's looking real nice. Michigan State hasn't uh, exactly lived up to their expectations yet, <laughs> but uh, we're we actually uh, we're we're turning zero starters right now, and we only have one senior. He was a grad transfer, so young team going through the uh, growing pains, you know. But a huge dub, huge W over number five Virginia at home. So looking looking up from there. Have they put out the rankings this week as Purdue ranked? Ooh, you know that's a good question. They actually uh, they come out right around this time. It's always Monday morning around noon. Yeah. Let me let me, let me see that. I don't, I've heard uh, I've heard some mixed reviews on whether we're going to be ranked or not. But uh, we were getting points last week, so I'd assume that that we uh, get at least more and maybe. Hop in there in like the 23 22 slot. Yeah, potentially. They had a tough quality loss that I watched over the holidays uh, against Florida State. That was a really good game, but they didn't close out that game very well. 
Uh, Jack, that's been uh, that's been the classic story this year. All three <laughs> of our losses have been just games where we were leading in the four, or leading in the second half and just ended up blowing a big lead. Tough to tough to watch, but that's a young that's a young team for you. Jake, you are very high on the football team for next year too. Oh, don't even get me started about that. So I'll uh, give you a quick quick rundown on what to yeah. look for for Purdue football in 2020. Because my uh, my bold prediction here is that we're going to be a ranked team for, I'm, I'm hoping at least most of this year or most of next year. But uh, so we just just yesterday, just two days ago, we got a uh, Lorenzo Neal. He was our defensive tackle that missed all this year, projected in the second round. He uh, he just announced that he's going to return for his senior year. So that's wow, that's huge. And then yeah. yeah, so we get to so we get to pair him next to uh, next to George Karloftis, who was a five star recruit coming out. Looks like a potential first rounder. He was a true freshman this year. And then uh, get Rondale Moore back, who's projected first round. And then to add him with uh, David Bell, who broke who broke so many records this year as a true freshman, getting almost. 50% of our passes. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a promising squad. I'll be excited to uh, look out and see what they've got next year. But let's talk about this big weekend in college football. Really one of my favorite weekends on the sports calendar. I really enjoy the Saturday and also Friday. You get, you get that uh, Pac-12 game on the Friday to have all these conference yeah. championships, Jake. And despite... All these great games. I'm a sucker for the Dr. Pepper student giveaway challenge. That's my favorite part. Oh, yeah. We were, uh, we were watching that. It seemed like this weekend, though, it seemed like the girls kept beating the guy. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I, was, I was watching with my roommates, and I was saying, if that was me, I would just, I'd just give her my check, too, and say, say at this point, good for you, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's interesting how the event has evolved into the shovel pass or the basketball chess pass that they do. It's not a, a real football pass. I know some people don't like that, but look, it's the most efficient way to get that shot off, and you want to get as many out there as you can because you're going for a hundred grand. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's one thing we were talking about too. Because I made I made the argument that uh, that I would just rather get down on one knee. And just start chucking them in there like a quarterback drill. Oh. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if they allow you to go on one year or not. To be honest, that's a good question. I, I'm sure they would. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen anyone do that. It's usually, typically, just a chest pass. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I feel like in the past, maybe like five years ago. I don't know how old this event is. It's fairly young. It seemed like in the earlier part, there were people who tried to go with the traditional quarterback pass as if they were playing that kind of arcade game at Chuck E. Cheese or whatever. But yeah, yeah. someone cracked the code and figured out the chess pass is the way to go. And that's everyone's followed suit. And that's what we get now. And I don't, I don't complain about it to me. I just love seeing the raw emotion of these students getting really Dr. Pepper stepping in there and enabling them to chase their dreams. It's a very exciting moment, especially when you see the raw emotion and the tears, uh, tears from some of the students. Oh yeah, no, it's absolutely great. That yeah, I think you're right. It's only a couple of years old, but I feel like it's the best halftime show out there right now. I mean, always keeps us locked in and, uh, obviously for a good cause. And I mean, Dr. Pepper's just absolutely killing the game with that. I think everyone, I think everyone here could uh, say, They've seen the Dr. Pepper Challenge or whatever it's called. 
<laughs> yeah, I was just thinking every year we get there's so much pushback with the Super Bowl halftime show. People are always love it or hate it with social media. Oh, it's this person don't want that. If what if the NFL just said for a halftime show, we're going to just have like 10 of these duels. Uh, it would never <laughs> happen, but I would be so satisfied with that. <laughs> oh, hey, that would be uh, that'd be much better than the uh, uh, Genesis halftime show. You ever watch <laughs> that one on Monday Night Football? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those are yeah, so that, weird. That's a tough watch. I feel bad for whoever uh, whoever is on that Genesis entertainment marketing department and decided to decided to take up that project because I don't know if they're going to have a job anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jake, the college football playoff final rankings are in LSU 1, Ohio State 2, Clemson 3, Oklahoma 4. I think they got this right. I I don't think there's much to really debate here. How do you feel about these rankings? Yeah, I'm completely with you. This is uh, coming into championship weekend. This is honestly ideally what I wanted to see. I uh, I mean, maybe Ohio State at one, two. I think there's a pretty legitimate argument that you could say Ohio State's better than LSU, but at the same time, LSU completely handled Georgia in their championship game, and Ohio State ran into some trouble. So I think that's definitely the right right ranking. But I think this makes for the best matchups. I think uh, in terms of just matchups here, you look at that Oklahoma-LSU game, and I think people are gonna. A lot of people are gonna think LSU blows them out, but I don't know. Oklahoma's defense this year—it's probably the best defense they've had in, and at least since I could remember. And then Jalen Hurts is the real deal. He's uh, he's something special to watch there. Just just the way he carries himself and his whole persona. You feel like he just never gets rattled by anything. He's always calm, cool, and collect. He's one of my favorite players to watch in the game. And then that Ohio State Clemson matchup. Wow, that's gonna be a. Uh, I feel bad because I mean that's two of the best three college football teams we've we've had in recent years, and I don't know that's that's going to be a hell of a game there though. I think I think Ohio State pulls it out, but I would not be surprised to see Clemson win that one. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I think it's going to be great matchups. I mean, I don't think LSU is going to end up having too much trouble, but what I do think, I think uh, you you touched on this. What a great story with Jalen Hurts this year. The fact that he's playing in the college football playoff and Alabama isn't. There's yeah. just some uh, sweet irony to that. That's just uh, that's what I like to call some good karma there, too. You mean, <laughs> I, I you know, like he, uh, he got benched in the national championship game and then had to ride the pine for a whole year behind Tua, who was obviously getting all this national media attention. And then he comes out. He would have. I remember at Bama, he was – he was a projected like maybe six, fifth, fifth, sixth round quarterback. Maybe you turn him into a running back. And ever since then, he's just developed a, a solid passing game. Um, he's got he just he's got the intangibles, you know. So I expect him. He actually he's one of the guys that I would love for the Bears to take in the second round this year. Ooh. If he falls, yeah, <laughs> that would be a that'd be a that'd be a nice best case scenario. He's got the he got the one thing Mitch doesn't have. You know, that's that's just that it factor that right. um. Yeah, that just, you know, just killer drive and and handle anything. I just feel like that's so important. Well, we will get to Mitch and the Bears a little later on in this (laughs) show today. Let's talk a little more about what we saw this weekend. Man, it seemed like none of these Pac-12 teams really ended up wanting to get into that game. We saw Oregon go down just a couple weeks ago, and then we saw... 
Oregon take down Utah. There were a lot of questions about how strong Utah was all season long in terms of their schedule. And Oregon beat them by at least two touchdowns. Really, it took a lot of suspense. Like that game was not suspenseful, but it added a lot of suspense for Saturday because it put so much more emphasis on the Big 12 title game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was a it was a good watch. I wouldn't say it's a great watch, but yeah, I enjoy watching. I enjoy watching Justin Herbert do his thing. He's a special quarterback, and then um, Kayvon Thibodeau. I don't know if you uh, if you're too familiar with him, but he's Oregon's defensive end. That was he. I think he was a number one recruited uh, or number one rated recruit coming out of high school last year, I believe. And I don't know if you watched him, but he just had a field day. He's he's someone special. Yeah, he, he is. That I would be it. I'd be looking out for them these next two years, and there's going to be a. Uh, I think he's going to be that Chase Young 2.0 <laughs> two years down the road from here. Yeah, and what was so weird about these playoffs, Jake? In the past, I've been someone who's been pounding the table, saying let's get more teams in, and I still would like to expand in the future because I just I love the March Madness setup. I'd like to see eight teams, sixteen teams, but this year. There were so many teams that seemed to just kind of bow out towards the end of the year. We got it with Oregon. We got it with Utah. We got it with Alabama. We got it from a couple other SEC teams, like maybe Georgia, if you want to talk about that. It almost seems that four is just the perfect amount for this season in particular. Yeah, I would, I would 100% agree with that. I think, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on the boat where I want to move to eight, too, because just because it's for the same reasons. I love the March Madness aspect and more teams, the higher chance for a Cinderella story you have. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like this year, I just, I didn't really want to see Bama in it. I didn't want to see, I mean, I would have liked to see Georgia, I guess, just because I enjoy watching Jake Fromm. But uh, I don't know. It's just, there would have gone, it would have been like four SEC teams or something like that. (laughs) And I just, I just think what we got going on this, uh, for this year, I think it was the perfect, Especially with how the championship games ended up, because I don't know about you, but me personally, I watched uh, I watched a couple of Utah games this year, and I just I didn't think they were that legit. I know their defense and their run game was really good, and they had a really athletic QB, but I just never thought they were they were the real deal. And I I was hoping that they'd lose in that Oregon game just so I could see uh, Jalen Hurts have a chance to get in. But I think I think if or, I think if Utah would have gotten in, they would have gotten absolutely just ran ran over by LSU. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, there was a better case to be made for the eight team, which I I still want to see us get there because I do think it adds, even if the best four teams run through that first round, it just gives more games. I think it ends up making more money. I think you could cut out a non-conference game on the schedule earlier, get rid of the week where Alabama plays the Citadel or whatever cupcake opponent they've got each year. But um, I think... The case for the eight-team playoff worked out better the last two years when you had UCF knocking on the door two straight regular, perfect regular seasons. Uh, and they're really Memphis had a really nice run, but they had did they have one loss or two losses? It wasn't like I think in order for that non-power five school to get in, they have to go undefeated. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree with that, and I think. Uh... I think I mean do you remember back in back in the Fiesta Bowl that uh that Oklahoma yeah. versus Bo- Boise State yep. game? <laughs> yeah, that, I have that, I actually had that game on video. My dad bought it for me a couple of years ago. But that was that was one of those special games where you think Boise State's gonna get just absolutely ran over 
And um, I don't know what they were. I'm assuming a double-digit underdog at least. But uh, but I just, I just remember watching them, and they just pulled out all the stops of that game. And I think there's I think there's room for that in college football. I think yeah. I mean it's a it's a football game. You get you get a, one turn, you get one interception, and then a lucky bounce on a fumble, and you're right in that ball game. And I think UCF. To your point about UCF, I think they could have definitely uh, I think they could have definitely competed that one year. I remember yeah. them. Uh, they played in their CUS. Or I think it's the CUSA, but they played in their... no. They're in the American, I think. Okay, yeah, American, yeah. But uh, I remember they played in that conference game. Just absolutely ran through whoever they played, and they were claiming the national title. But <laughs> kind of sucks to not see them get in. I'd, I'd definitely like the 18 playoff because then you could go to getting all the five, the Power Five uh, conference winners in. You could maybe and then select like three at large bids. Hopefully, uh, one or two of them. One of those UCF, Boise State, the Norrell stories. Yeah, I agree. I totally. That's exactly what I've been advocating for uh, for the last few years. Um, I think they're moving towards it too. From from what I've heard, at least, I think that, I think so too. I think it's kind of an, yeah, I think it's pretty inevitable that we're gonna get to. Eight. I mean, it just makes a lot of sense for college for like the NCAA in general too. It's just viewers and a lot more hype around it you know the memphis tigers i will say i was impressed with them we'll see what they can do in one of these bcs bowls it might be the cotton bowl i'm not sure what they'll get but they beat cincinnati two weeks in a row and jake you grew up playing sports at a high level i grew up playing sports maybe not as high a level as you did but (laughs) it's very difficult to beat a team more than once, especially in back-to-back weeks. So I was impressed with what they did at the end of the season as a, a non-Power 5 school. 100%. It's, I mean, it's tough to beat a team two times in a row regardless, but to, uh, to handle them two times in a row, too, that's just <laughs> even more impressive. Yeah. The Big 12 game, definitely the game of the weekend, right? <laughs> yeah, I would definitely. That was any time I'm the biggest advocate for uh, college bowl overtime, one, I think the NFL needs to adapt adopt that ASAP. I agree. Um, especially after that Patriots-Chiefs game last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, I mean, I, anytime I'm getting free college football, you just absolutely love to see it. And that game was that game was a nail-biter. I, I, had, I don't know. I kept thinking that Utah was going to, or that uh, uh, Oklahoma was going to blow it. And yeah. they just ended up coming back. And that's what, that's what I'm saying with Jalen Jalen Hurts. He just got that hit factor, you know? Baylor used three different quarterbacks in that game, which made there was so much drama in that. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, they they all looked pretty good though. I mean, yeah, college football is different that different than NFL, where it's not much of a there's not much of a gap between starting quarterback and backup as, as there is NFL. But I thought the other guy, the uh, particular the what his name, the one guy with uh, longer hair, he had dreadlocks. Yeah, I thought he looked really good. Oh yeah, they all look good. It was they have a good bunch. Yeah. Future is going to be good for them. This no one was expecting this out of Baylor this year. Oh yeah, I know their defense. I watched uh, actually a healthy amount of Baylor games this year, and that defense is legit. They uh, I know they didn't play too well yesterday, but or on Saturday, but that defense is definitely legit. And then the other game I want to touch on <laughs> the Wisconsin fans on Saturday night. I first of all, if you're a Wisconsin fan and you're listening to this, I'm I'm sorry. I apologize. That was tough. <laughs> it seemed like typical Badgers, but I did get a text from a Badgers fan who said, "If the Badgers win by three scores, 
can they get into the playoff? And I said, probably, I don't think the committee is going to let them in, but maybe there's a case to be made there. Uh, but unfortunately for Badgers fans, the second half did not play anything like that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. I was the whole time we were watching that game, we were uh, having discussions about, wow, what happens if, if uh, Wisconsin beats them by double digits and what happens if, uh, I don't know, like what 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 happens to the college football player because obviously you can't really leave Ohio State out of it. No. And so yeah, so I don't know. It would have been a that would have caused a lot of more, a lot, a lot more controversy. And I think you kind of knew what what was going to happen after uh, after Ohio State won that game. You knew Oklahoma was going to get that four seed, but that was a great game. Uh, props to Wisconsin. It was a it was a very fun game. My last college football thought for now, and then we'll transition over to the NFL. I think you will agree. The best story we could get for a national championship would be Joe Burrow versus the Ohio State University, right? Uh, I'm with you on that one. I think Ohio State, uh, God, Justin Fields is just, he's, he's everything you want in a quarterback right now. He's, he's got me already thinking about that 20, uh, 2021 draft class. There's <laughs> tanking for it. But uh, aside from that, he's just, he's a special player. He's, he hits all those, those 15 yard out throws. He's just—he's got the it factor, like I was saying. He's mobile in the pocket. He's just a special player. It's—it's kind of crazy too. You know the story between—I'm uh, sure you do—but uh, how, um, how Justin Fields was the backup. Like all these guys in the college football play, have, they feel like they've all backed up each other at one point. Yeah, I mean, even yeah, Trevor was a backup at the start of last year. Yeah, 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 for uh, Kelly Bryant. Yeah, and all the other guys are transfers. Yeah. And then it's yeah, like you said, it's crazy how uh, Jalen Hurts ends up in the college ball playoff, and and two is not. Yeah. So I that's what I do think we will get. Is that your prediction? Uh, I've been thinking about this. You know, I, I mean, LSU will uh, will beat Oklahoma, although I do think it's going to be a closer game than people think. Um, and then that Ohio State Clemson game. I I want to take Ohio State because I think they are the better team, but Clemson's got the pedigree. They uh, they've been there. They've got the best quarterback in college football still, in my opinion. I think Trevor Lawrence is just a man among boys. And then, uh, in my opinion, too, they've got the best receiver in the college football playoff. Um, my my guy to watch actually, uh, Justin Ross. He's a sophomore receiver from. Uh, uh, he's a five star recruit, sophomore receiver from Clemson though, and he's just an absolute stud. He's one of those guys. I feel like if uh, if Clemson wins this ball game, he's going to have three tutties and. And like 150 through the air, I think he's, <laughs> I think, I think he's set to break out. He just seems like one of those guys who is super talented, but kind of slid under the radar a little bit, and uh, and just set to break out on the, on the big stage, you know. Yeah. So give me give me your predi- championship prediction real quick, and then we'll move over to these other sports. <sighs> you know, Jack, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to take Ohio State. I think they're the best team in the country. I think they're the best roster in the country. And um, I think quarterback-wise, there's really not much of a difference, although I do think Joe Burrow might be a little, might be a little more polished right now. But I think, I think Chase Young is just going to have a monster day. He's going to be wreaking havoc all night um, in that, chain, that national championship game. I don't know. It's, it's tough, too. This is a great college football playoff, but yeah. I, think Ohio State, I think Ohio State will end up pulling it out. They're just, they've just got such good roster. There's a couple receivers they've got, too, that – that are getting like three passes a game, but they would be the best receiver on most teams in the country. 
All right, good stuff there, Jake. I'm going to save my prediction uh, for a little later because I still got a month here on the podcast. So I'll bring mine out in the future. All right, Jake. So we got plenty to talk about from the NFL. We're we're mainly just going to touch on a few points because we've got, we're doing a few subjects here today. Let's start with the game last night, the primetime game. The Seahawks got pummeled by the Rams. The Rams starting to look like the team that they had the last two years, last year that went to the Super Bowl. And I hate to say it, Jake, but I think Russell Wilson's MVP case is, I don't want to say dwindling, but the last three, four weeks, I've watched him on primetime, and he just hasn't played at the MVP caliber level. I think he's no doubt a pro bowler, maybe an all pro, I guess. I don't know if maybe second team all pro or whatever you want to do there. But I just, I think Lamar Jackson is really coming in uh, with the most momentum here down the stretch. And Kirk Cousins is also playing at a very high level here. It's going to be interesting to see, but I just look at four straight games where Russell's played well, I, just not, I don't look at MVP caliber well. You might disagree with me here, but I look at that as that's a quarter of the season, and this is down the stretch where the games seem to, the guys who get the award tend to be the ones coming in with the most momentum. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you might know I'm a pretty big Russell Wilson guy. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league, just a lot of respect for him. I used to, used to root for pretty hard for that Seahawks team when they had the Legion of Boom out there. That was, yeah. that was a fun team to watch. But um, I don't know. I think I think you're right. I think uh, if you look at the Ravens' final three games, they've got the Jets, the Ravens, and the, or the Browns and the Steelers. And obviously two of those three games were subpar defenses. So I think Lamar is going to run through them. And then in that Steelers game is week 17, and he might even be benched. So I don't <laughs> know. I, I, think, I think Russell... In my opinion, Russell might have been the runner going into the last night, but just because he's kind of single-handedly carrying his team. But at this point, I think Lamar has just done too much. He's got an easier schedule going going forward, and uh, I think I think he's pretty much pretty much locked that up. Well, I don't think he's going to get the votes from the media. He doesn't get the same kind of respect, but I think Kirk Cousins belongs in the conversation for what he's done here down the stretch. Uh, we have a group text going. Someone just sent a text comparing those guys' stats, Kirk and Russell. They both are remarkably similar in terms of a lot of different categories. Now, Russell adds the element of the plays on his feet and the rushing yards, but to the the downside of that is Russell ends up taking some bad sacks when he makes those plays. So I think they kind of are pretty even, but I do think... Kirk is the guy who's coming down the stretch here with a little more momentum, but he's not going to get the votes just because of the amount of respect that, for whatever reason, the media and the fan bases have towards Kirk Cousins. He doesn't get the same kind of respect. Maybe he's slowly changing that narrative, but I I think he belongs in the conversation at least. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that's far-fetched, though. I think he, uh, I mean, he's, probably put together the best season of his career. And uh, thanks to, uh, I mean, he's got a great supporting cast, though, too. And I think that's one thing that Russ, or that Kirk's got going for him well over Russ is Russell's, his, he's throwing the ball to DK Metcalf, a rookie receiver who can only really run three or four routes. Um, he's Who's looked good, his, though. He's looked good. Yeah, he has, he has looked good. He has looked good. I will say that. 
And then uh, Tyler Lockett obviously missed some time and gone through a little bit of a slump here. But other than that, I mean, Kirk's got the Kirk's got Delvin Cook. He's got the good old line. He's got Thielen and he's got two good tight ends, Thielen and Diggs. He's got a good defense. I think Kirk's I think Kirk's a good quarterback. I'm not putting anything against him, but uh, he's got that perfect situation this year. I, I do think if uh, if the Vikings are going to do something within these next within this window that they're I mean, the next like two or three years, I think it's going to be this year. I think they just, even though they're going to be going through the road um, in the playoffs, most likely, obviously, I still think uh, I still think they they've got a shot to upset some teams. I mean, they'll probably play. They're probably going to end up playing Dallas or Philly for Week One, wouldn't you think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unless they they so. couldn't get, they're only one game out of division, so they could get the division still. It'd be a yeah, big game I, when Packers Vikings meet again. Yeah, that'll be a huge game. <laughs> so that that I see this year. It, actually, both both conferences are wrapping to be pretty good. The uh, yeah, yeah. Like I was saying, I, I'm a I like the Seahawks like through for them. And if you look at their their schedule, it looks like they should win these next two ones. And then they week 17, they're gonna match up versus uh, they're gonna match up versus the 49ers, and that's gonna be one that. You don't really you don't usually get that on week seventeen. Usually week seventeen benching your starters, especially two teams who are gonna have only two or three losses. It's gonna be that's gonna be a good one, probably for the division. Yeah. And uh yeah, that one's that'll be a special one. I will I do wanna just go back to one thing you said and then we'll move on. I will say that I th- I don't think Kirk's offensive line has been I mean, maybe it's average at best. It was really bad last year. I don't think he's got an amazing offensive line. The other thing is Thielen has missed time. So I think he's had to work through some stuff this year too. Um, I don't think it's been, I don't know if I'd say it's been perfect, but he's definitely set up very well with that Vikings team. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, like like you said, the O-line obviously not great, but still uh, still a solid O-line. Yeah, and a I lot think, better uh, from last year. That's, yeah, think, a, that's a big key to their success this year. Yeah, I think Mike Zimmer does a great job too of getting Dalvin Cook involved in the passing game, and I think I think his game plan this year has been great. I've uh, I've heard some murmurs that that if they miss the playoffs this year, he'll be one of the guys in the hot seat. But I don't I don't know if I were the Vikings, <sighs> I would I wouldn't move on from him. No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk about. Um, I, I will say real quick, I will say three weeks ago, I was riding the McCaffrey MVP train. I'm off that now uh, <laughs> based on the Panthers uh, just coming unglued here down the stretch. They, they're not going to be a good enough team. Uh, he's had a great year. Um, if you want to talk about a non-quarterback, maybe you talk about Michael Thomas in that oh, conversation, yeah. but it does seem like it's Lamar's to win right now or well, Lamar's yeah, to I- lose, I should say. I'm with you on that. I think uh, I think Chris McCaffrey five weeks ago you could have made a great case for him, especially if if they uh, if the Panthers end up making the playoffs. Because I mean, you could argue his role is just as important, if not more important, than a lot of these quarterbacks uh, yeah. relative to relative to his team. And but now with the collapse there, and I don't know, it's Kyle Allen's kind of taking a step back. It's been a he's still putting together an amazing year. And shout out to anyone who's got him in fantasy and not not lucky enough to have that, but. He's uh he's been a special player, and I think he I think if there was a Michael Thomas, I think you got to give it to him. But CMC's CMC's a special player, and I think we've got I think right now he's there's really in my opinion not much of an argument that he's the best running back in football right now. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. 
let's talk about the the biggest game that everyone seems to be talking about from yesterday. The Patriots and Chiefs. Now, the Patriots have lost the last two weeks. They still have 10 wins. Uh, it seems whenever the Patriots hit a speed bump, any time over the last seven years, the sky is falling in terms of the the perception from the fans. People want to write them off. I'm not writing them off yet. Uh, there were some questionable officiating calls or no calls that we saw yesterday that really, I think, could have swung the game either way. And sometimes your team is on the wrong side of those. Patriots were on the wrong side of those yesterday. I still think that the Patriots, I still trust them. They're still to, they still have Tom Brady. They still got Bill Belichick. I think they're going to figure it out. But a lot of people are raising some questions. What do you think, Jake? Ah, Jack, the, uh, the good old New England Patriots. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's a hot topic nowadays and one that I'm constantly getting in debates about. <laughs> but uh yeah, I'm a so I'm a I've been a Tom Brady Tom Brady backer for the last six or seven years big time. I've always loved him, but just over these over this like stretch run where into his late thirties and early forties he's just impressed me in every single way. And like you said, this, this happens almost every year. Seems like it feels like last year at this time everyone was saying, Oh, they don't have any receivers, uh defense isn't as good as it used to be and all this stuff, but I just feel like every single year they just they have that factor, and and the and NFL playoff football is so situational. It's just incredibly situational. And Bill and Tom, there's no there's no duo in NFL history that you'd want that you'd want in a playoff football game than them. And so I don't know. I'm not writing them off. I would still even at this point, I might put the Ravens as my AFC favorite, but I still. I would still have to think hard about that, and I might might even put that just because, yeah. like we talked about it, like we talked about earlier, beating two teams in the beating beating the same team twice in one season, that's a tough feat, and uh, that's what the Ravens are going to have to do. Obviously, it looks like it's going through um, Baltimore, but I still think Tom Tom it's just Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the defense this year is as good as it's been in the last five ten years. So I still think this team's got. Yeah, plenty. I think if there's one, if there is one, uh, one thing that scares me about them, I would say it's the offensive line. But I don't know Brady's so Brady's so good in the pocket, just moving around in there, getting the ball, getting the ball out quick. And I think I think when you uh, when you factor in the playoffs and just the whole element, I'm not. I, I don't think I'm gonna be able to take. Uh, if as good as Lamar has been this year, I don't think I'm gonna be able to take a sophomore quarterback who is inarguably a limited thrower regardless of like how amazing he is other than that but i just think uh tom brady bill Belichick, i'm gonna take that combo over <laughs> most most likely over see how the season ends out like finishes out but it's just gonna be tough to beat him i think i think if you're writing him off right now you haven't watched football in the last five years seems like he's in it every year but and again i don't know i mean they are due to uh they're due to miss the super bowl so we'll see it's gonna be exciting though the Ravens have proven to be the have the best regular season of any AFC team up to this point. So they could be the best team in the AFC. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. Sometimes the best team doesn't win in the playoffs. Sometimes things bounce the other way. I'm going to present another hurdle that the Ravens may have to overcome in the playoffs. Are you ready for this? Let's hear it. You mentioned the, the factor of having to beat a team twice 
what if they have to play the Pittsburgh Steelers in the second round? If the Steelers were to, let's say they're the five or the six seed, they win their first round playoff game. They're likely going to be the lowest seed remaining. The Ravens would have to play them in the divisional round. We know how much those two teams hate each other. And when they meet, anything can happen. So I think that could be a challenge in itself before they even face New England. Oh, absolutely. If they uh, if they match up, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a one-score game. And I would still have to pick the Ravens, obviously, because it's a better team. But in those division, division playoff games, you just really never know. I mean, Bears-Packers have met a couple times in the last 10 years in the playoffs. And every single time, it's been down to the wire. It's just I feel like every single division game, because you're meeting a team for the third time that year, so you know yeah. what they're doing. You know you know what they like to do. Even some more bad blood on the line. I just think that beating a team three times in one season is going to be tough. And the Steelers have, I think, I think if there's a if there's a matchup you want to, you want to versus Lamar. I think you want a team. You want a physical defense. Yeah. Good coach. Good coach and a uh, offense who can control the clock at least. Obviously, the Steelers have their have their limits offensively, but I think Mike Towns did a great job at just kind of dinking and dunking down the field and really working to what he's got there. And I think I think if there's one team that one team that could beat him, obviously besides the uh, Chiefs and the Patriots, I think it would be the Steelers, just because that whole division rival thing, uh, defense matches up well. I think it's a I think it's a good matchup for your Steelers. Yeah, and they they do face each other again either week 16 or week 17. Uh, I, think I think it might be week it, seventeen. Yeah, it is. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, week seventeen in, uh, yeah, in Baltimore. Ravens could be resting some guys. We'll see what happens. But the Steelers are looking good. I really like this Duck Hodges. Uh, he's become a quick fan favorite. Do you know the story behind Duck? Yeah, yeah. My uh, actually one of my roommates here at Purdue. He's a huge Steelers fan, so <laughs> he's even got a, he's even got a shirt now that says. Uh, says something uh, it's like a duck Hodges shirt. I forgot what it says on the front, but it, it, it's a good, it's a funny shirt. He uh, he was super pumped about that that game yesterday, and I don't know. I mean, it looks good. They they're just they're clicking on all facets, and I think the change from Mason Rudolph or change from uh, Mason Rudolph to Duck Hodges, I think that was a great move. Obviously, Mason Rudolph wasn't playing too well, and he kind of just uh, you know put up a big gray cloud of your team for about a week there. And uh, I think I, don't know, I think I think what they're doing right now, what the Steelers are doing right now, is I think I think it's good. I think they're what eight and five right now. Yep. Yeah. So I think I, know, I think they. I don't think I think their ceilings, maybe uh, maybe AFC Championship something like that. But I think they're definitely a team that could pull off an upset. They've got a great pass rush, physical defense, thinking like down the field, control the clock with a good coach. I like their chances. How about uh, this as a comp? How about their? Similar to the 2017 Jaguars with a lower ceiling. Hmm, I, I, I like that comp a lot. I do. Uh, I think that Jags D was just a just a little more yeah. special. I think that was one, yep. of, one of the better D, one of the better D's of all time. But uh, I don't know when you. I mean, obviously Blake Portals was nothing special, so I think <laughs> the difference between him and him and Duck Hodges isn't too substantial. But if they can, if they can be, if they can get healthy and really get the really get a good run game going, I think they could they could beat anyone just because control the clock, work that defense in there. Seems like they're always forcing turnovers too. It seems like that defense is just yeah 
just just has that knack like the uh, 28 or 2019 Bears did. Or actually, yeah, 2018 Bears. And these Steelers receivers, by the way, these young guys are really starting to come together down the stretch. It's uh, Deontay Johnson returned a punt for a touchdown yesterday. James Washington has had some nice long plays and some good games here. That young receiving core is doing quite well. Uh, given their circumstances with it, an undrafted rookie quarterback and Juju Smith-Schuster out, I've been a, I, I, th- I like what I've seen from those guys right now, especially compared to where the receiving core started at the beginning of the year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Jack, let me ask you a question. Just yeah. curious, what do, you, uh, what do you want the Steelers to do here? So obviously I think Ben's going to come back for next year. You wanted to obviously no first round pick this year too, so kind of rolling yeah. out drafts in a QB. But uh, what do you want them to do? You want them to go one year with Ben and then draft a QB the next? Maybe uh, one year with Ben, Duck Hodges at backup. What are you thinking? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I I think Rudolph is maybe someone you trade for. Like I don't know, someone could buy low on him. Maybe see a reclamation project. You know, fifth or sixth round pick. I got, yeah, I think that's very reasonable. I think someone to yeah. give up a bit or stick for a solid backup. Yeah, yeah, and he could be a backup somewhere, and maybe there's a coach that likes him because he had a really good preseason. He showed some good signs earlier in the season, but he's just not the guy. He's not the future here in Pittsburgh. So I I think you got to go with Ben next year. He gives your team the highest ceiling, and you're not ready to rebuild yet. I think next year you basically put the chips back in with Ben And if this happens again and Ben gets hurt, now maybe you're talking about tanking for Trevor Lawrence or one of these quarterbacks that you and I have been so enamored with. (laughs) That's that would be my take. And Devlin Hodges being the backup. Yeah, I like that. That's uh, they're in a they're in pretty similar situation to the Bears. No first rounder this year, and kind of uh, just a little bit of uncertainty at QB. Yeah, but. It's just tough. I mean, both, and they're in the same scenario as where they're both good teams with good defenses, and it's just it's gonna be tough for them to tank, you know. Yeah. The thing I will say though is this uh, this draft class coming up, Scott. I was looking. There's like six or seven quarterbacks who have first round grades, and well, will probably fall in the second round. So one silver lining for me and you, Jack, is <laughs> that uh, hopefully a lot of teams looks like a lot of teams are gonna need a QB this year. And so I'm thinking that a lot of these guys, maybe a couple, a couple teams, take a shot on Jake Fromm late in, late in the first, early in the second, and and I'm hoping a lot of teams fill their franchise QB need here this year, and then going into next year, it's down to a three or four team race for Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I mean, some teams. I know there are going to be some teams that are thinking along the same lines as you and I. So it will be interesting to see where those first to second round guys end up this year. Do you, by the way, I wanted to say this just in case the listeners didn't know why they call him Duck. Can you tell the listeners why they call him Duck Hodges? Hmm. You, uh, you go ahead. Cause I, okay. uh, I don't want to butcher the story. My roommate <laughs> told me about it, but it's very simple. He's a duck hunter and he makes duck calls. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I don't want to, I don't want to mess that up or anything, but did you, uh, do you see, he, uh, I guess, I think they were in their buyer a couple weeks ago. He went out duck hunting with James Washington. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did, which, yeah. Which I thought, yeah, which I thought was interesting too, because that was uh, Mason Rudolph's boy at Oklahoma State. And so 
I don't know, maybe uh, maybe James Washington's got a little bit of say there, and 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 uh, Mike Tomlin saying that he wants uh, he wants Duck Hodges over Mason Rudolph even. Well, I wasn't looking too much into that. What I liked was, hey, this is good team unity that these guys are yeah, getting along yeah. and everyone's oh, bonding. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So Tomlin's healed a lot of stuff this year. It's been a great year for him. Let's talk about your Bears here. I like what I've seen a lot, especially last Thursday night against the Dallas Cowboys. What I've noticed, I'm going to turn it over to you in a second. I like that. Negi is finally seemingly letting Trubisky just be Trubisky and make plays on his feet because I think when you limit him to just throwing in the pocket that really there was a stat where it was something along the lines of like they read this on Thursday Night Football last year at this point through 11 weeks he had 26 first downs that he ran for on his legs this year he had up into up to Thursday Night Games he only had like four or five and that poses a big, much bigger threat because now you have to keep the defense on their toes. It seems like a lot of defenses have just been like, oh, we don't have to do too much if we don't have to worry about him on his legs. It doesn't, it never really made sense to me of why, like you've got Trubisky, Trubisky is Trubisky. Let him do what he does best. You do the same thing with Lamar Jackson. Now they're not the same kind of player, but could you imagine if, uh, John Harbaugh just said, Lamar, I don't want you to ever run. Just stand in the pocket. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm with you on that. I mean, I think, I think that's actually been the biggest kind of disappointment to measure the season this year has been his uh, lack of usage with his legs and whether that's, whether that's on Nagy or, or what, but I know he had a, so he had a, he missed a game earlier this year. He had a shoulder injury and I know that's, it was, it wasn't his throwing shoulder, but, I'm sure that's kind of lingering around there. And I think another big reason why would be the offensive line taking a huge step back from last year. I think just maybe a little more timid in the pocket, which is something I've definitely noticed. But uh, I think when he uses his legs, he's obviously not a great thrower. I think that's pretty much, I think that's pretty much a defined fact. Now he's, he's limited as a passer, but he can make the throws. He's going to, he'll miss a couple and, and frustrate you, but he's uh he's such a talented runner and so sneaky athletic that it just I wish one thing I do wish is I wish Nagy ran designed QB runs because to be honest yeah. I don't know if the Bears have ran, I don't know if the Bears have ran a single besides QB sneaks obviously I don't know if the Bears have run a single designed QB run in his in his tenure I thought I saw one on Thursday actually but hmm. they were down in the red zone and he had a nice run I think he, he may have ran it in for a touchdown or at least he took him close Jack, you're right. That was, uh, yeah, they scored in that play. Yeah. I remember, yeah, yeah. But that, that was, was definitely remember, the first one I saw this year. Yeah, I, I think it was I think it was the first one I saw, too. He, uh, <laughs> it was just a great, I, he, I was watching it with my roommates, and right after it, I was I was saying, I was like, wow, we need to do that more often. I don't know where that's been all the time, but in those, in those, uh, in those like, fourth and one situations, sometimes even third and one, I think when you can get, when you can get, like, David Montgomery's a he's a good blocker, good enough. But when you can get him in the backfield back there, and just run QB power and let David David Montgomery be the uh, lead blocker, it just gives you an extra lead blocker. Mitch is good enough with his legs to make a play too if if he needs to. And that's that's something I think that definitely been missing from Nagy's game plan, whether that's on Mitch's shoulder, the line, or what. But I'm a 
I've, I've been impressed with what I've seen re- recently. I was, I'll be the first to tell you, I was on that uh, two or three weeks ago, three weeks ago before this nice little streak. I was still pretty much on the, the get off from Mitch and maybe sign a QB, maybe not. Hopefully draft a QB so I don't got to pay the money. But uh, I think at this point, with no first round pick, I think it's I think it's in our best interest to save the money. We got to re-sign a ton of defensive guys. So obviously, I don't want to go out there and pay Nick Foles or Teddy Bridgewater or something to, to you know, just be like a slightly, slightly better version of Mitch, a slight upgrade at QB. And I think if you give him one more year, you can we can see that potential. And if it's bad, it's bad, and we we kind of tank and not not tank is too good of a team. But if it's bad, it's bad, and we get get a pick there in the ten through fifteen range, hopefully, and then end up trading up for a QB. I think. I think that's my uh, that's my Bears plan there. Obviously, I'd love to see Mitch go out next year and and just prove the doubters wrong and just become a better passer. But just it's tough. I don't know. He's got every he's got all the weapons around him right now. He's got a good running back, a couple good receivers, good offensive mind coach, and an average O line. But he's just the epitome of inconsistency, is what I'd say. He's been he's been great. Showed shows flashes of that. The reason he got drafted number two overall, but then at some point he'll miss uh, just a basic fade route. Makes me want to peel my eyes out. <laughs> it's a tough watch. <laughs> All right, I've got two questions here on the Bears, and then we're going to move over to baseball to finish off the show. My first question is reacting to what you just said in terms of what you would like the Bears to do next year. How about, let's say they hang on to Trubisky. How about signing a higher upside backup? And Chase Daniel has only started how many games in his career? Seven or eight? I mean, he doesn't. Yeah. If let's okay, so let's say Trubisky gets hurt, Trubisky can't do it, and you want to take a shot because this they do have a chance to win. They st- they have such a good roster, and they want to save money at quarterback. I like Case Keenum. I think if you brought in Case Keenum, Case Keenum this year making $2.5 million, and I'm not saying you have to make Case Keenum your starter. I mean, now maybe some other team would give him an opportunity to start. But if he's out there as a backup at that $2.5 million, I look at Case Keenum as a guy who can make plays on his feet. He can make plays when you give him weapons. We saw him do it with the Vikings two years ago, played at an MVP caliber level, got them close to a Super Bowl. What do you think about this suggestion? Uh, honestly, I'm in the, uh, I mean, obviously it depends on cost and, and what you're giving up for him. And I don't know, cause is he, is he going to be a free agent this year? Yeah. Let's say he's a free agent and he's two and a half million dollars. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great deal right there. We signed, uh, so before last season, we signed Chase Daniel to a two year, $10 million deal, which I don't know if you know this, but he's actually the highest paid backup yeah. in NFL history. Yeah, he is. <laughs> it's just pretty, pretty crazy. But, uh, so obviously, uh, he'll Mike probably Glennon get... fit that bill for a little bit there too. <laughs> oh gosh. That was, that was bad. That's the Glennon era. I'm glad the Glennon era is over. And I think this is the last year that we're paying him too. So. That's always a good sign. But uh, so obviously I'm pretty sure they're going to let Chase Daniel walk this year. And what I think they do end up doing is I think they, I think to your point, I think they bring in a guy like Case Keenum to uh, compete with Mitch, maybe back him up, see how Mitch finishes out these last three games, 
you've got uh you got two out of three versus good defense on the road and um i just think i think if you i think if you bring in a guy like that like case keenum who has shown that he can be a viable viable starting quarterback in the league he's he showed some flashes of brilliance over there with the uh on the on the Vikings and then it struggled since obviously, but I think we bring in a guy like that. I do want them to unless unless Mitch continues over these last three games, shoots out with Mahomes and beats Packers that Lambeau maybe and maybe even uh beats obviously if they make playoffs he's locked in for another year, but I think if he if he keeps the streak going, you've gotta give him another year in twenty twenty. It probably as a starter, but at the same time, I think bringing a guy like uh, bringing a guy like Case Keenum would, would be it'd be it'd be a good option because you get Case Keenum, you get a good backup, and then if Mitch struggles again like he did earlier in this year, then you can actually uh, pull him and start Case Keenum for a game with a uh, with some hope, you know. And I think some of these guys, they're the Titans are paying Tannehill one point seven million this year. You can get a cheap backup with a potential upside that could potentially surpass your starting quarterback. There might be a couple guys out there like that in terms of a guy who struggled in one situation and now his best option is to be a backup and maybe with the right coaching staff and the right weapons and he stays healthy or it only has to play eight games in the sense of him coming in relief if he's an injury-riddled player. I think there's some good options there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I agree. There's a there's actually one dream scenario I have though for the uh, <laughs> for, for the Bears going into this offseason. So it's a uh, it's a trade with the Lions, which un- unlikely trade partner going into the division, but yeah. I w- but the uh, Lions would be sending the Bears Matt Prater and David Blau for uh, oh yeah. That I think David Blau, <laughs> obviously my Purdue my guy Purdue yeah. maker. Yeah, I love him to death. He's uh, he's just an absolute class act. He reminds me a lot of Drew Brees. But uh, and then, just I think the biggest need I think the biggest need even before worried about who's our quarterback going next year is fixing that kicker position. There's a uh, yeah. interesting interesting stat here. Mitch has lost. Mitch has lost. Uh, he's had four games throughout his career. One of them being the playoff game last year, and uh, four games where he's driven down the field and got his team within when they were losing or when they were yeah when they were losing, got his team within field goal range uh, for a game winning field goal. And the uh, kicker missed it, either Eddie Pinier or Cody Parker, or Cody Parkey. So uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's been tough. I mean, obviously Mitch wins those four games like he should because they were none of them were longer than fifty either. So they were all they're all makeable kicks. And well, if, my if one Mitch... pushback to that, Jake, would be that in some of those cases, I'd like to know how many kicks that kicker had to attempt in the game because I know at least one of those with Pinheiro he was called upon to kick three or four that day and that was the case certainly with Parkey in the playoff game so I think if their offense was a little more efficient earlier in the game then you wouldn't be having to ask as much from a kicker I think when you have to you know you ask your kicker to make four 40 plus field goals in a game that's a tall ask for any kicker they're bound to miss eventually now, but I do agree with you. I don't think this team should have ever let go of Robbie Gold. Oh yeah, I mean, it's that's <laughs> tough. And in, in in hindsight, that looks that looks like one of the worst moves we've made. Just like the Greg Ol- getting rid of Greg Olson. But Robbie Gold in his last year with the Bears, he was actually I think top bottom two or three in the league in terms of kicking. And I think 
I think a lot of it's actually got to do with Soldier Field. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to Soldier Field, but it's just yeah, constant, I've been there. Yeah, constant windstorm. Um, you know, like the obviously the turf's not great. It, uh, I think it's loaded one of the worst uh, playing services in the league. And then obviously the winds and just the rabid crowd that already is adding pressure because they had so much trouble with with kicking. But I just, I just think this year I would not be I would not be disappointed whatsoever if the Bears went out and took the best kicker available in the draft, whether that's in the fourth round or fifth round. Obviously, or the really Sebastian Janikowski style pick seventeen and first if, round. <laughs> okay, if there's another Sebastian Janikowski. And uh, I would not mind the Bears taking him with that second if he fell. That was, that's just such a that's just such a big need. I mean, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's just like this year we would we could be holding our own destiny now going into the playoffs because we play the Bikes in one game. We're two games back right now, and uh, that earlier in the year we play we we're playing the Chargers, and uh, Eddie Pinero missed his I think second maybe third field goal of the game, and it was a chip shot to win it when we were down by two. So. Just things like that. It's frustrating. It's been frustrating to be a Bears fan, you know? <laughs> yeah, my last Bears question, I've, and then we got to move on. So let's do this quick. All right, so the Bears, It's. I know you came into the season with a lot of optimism, as most Bears fans did. It seems like a lot of Bears fans have resigned much of their hope for this season, at least. They've got three games left. They play Kansas City, they play Minnesota, and they play in Green Bay. If I tell you they're 7-6... and six, I tell you they go 8-8, eight and eight, but they get the win in Green Bay, and it keeps Green Bay from winning the division. Do you Are you somewhat satisfied with that result? Hmm. I'm, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, you want them to win out and, and uh, make the playoffs, but I think those chances of this percentage odds are at like 5% or something like that. So odds are not in our favor. It would be a magical run if it did happen. But yeah, I think I think best case scenario in terms of missing the playoffs would be that we win one of these last three games, and if I'm if I'm going to choose, it'd definitely be the Packers game, <laughs> giving them some uh, giving them some taste of their own medicine. They beat us at Soldier Field in Week One, and uh, beating them at Lambeau, and hopefully knocking them out of the uh, knocking them out of the first place in the division. That'd be uh that'd be something I could get behind for sure. And <laughs> Mitch, I just want I'd like to see Mitch play well too because. At this point, like I said, there's really not a you can't you're not going to be able to draft a QB, can't give up significant trade ass or trade capital for uh, to trade up for a key. And so I think I think Mitch plays well. We win that game at Lambeau, and I think that's probably best case scenario at this point, or second best case scenario, obviously. Yeah, I I would think that would be the case. All right, so. Let's move over to the hot stove. Not too much to talk about. We haven't had any huge stuff, but the winter meetings beginning today in San Diego, my favorite city in the United States that I've been to, San Diego. <laughs> it's just a perfect city, uh, very positive, warm area, uh, weather-wise, and just people being friendly and happy. I love that place. I uh, wish I was there covering the winter meetings. Maybe I will be someday. <laughs> hey, that'd, that'd be awesome. Love it. <laughs> We're going to do it here in the cold Midwest. Jake, Mike Moustakis got signed by the Reds. Kind of interesting deal because I like Mike Moustakis a lot. 
he got, I think it was four years, $64 million, a lot of money, and he had been holding out waiting for that big contract each of the last two off-seasons, having to wait, and he had to sign the, the one-year deals. But I'm a little, it's a little interesting to me in terms of the Reds because the Reds, he's going to have to play second base, which he was able to do this year, and he's a great bat, and the Reds need hitting. I'm a little curious as to why they traded Scooter Jeanette, though, in the first place if they felt they had a need at second base. Maybe they want to keep Nick Senzel in the outfield. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I was uh, I was pretty confused too. I mean, I like I know you like the Reds a lot, and, <laughs> and I, I like I like the Reds. I mean, they're definitely a team I'm consistently rooting for. You know, kind of a small market team that just I like Brewers and the Reds two of my two of my favorite teams in that in that all. But uh, I was I was pretty confused too. I mean, it wasn't a cheap contract whatsoever. I was kind of kind of hoping the Phillies would sign Moose, but then once I saw him get that, like you said, four years, fifty six or something like that. I think it was sixty four. Sixty four, wow, yeah. That uh I just when I saw it I was I was a little I was pretty glad we didn't sign him. I mean, obviously we've got Alec Bohm coming up here and uh I just think giving him four years I just I mean I would I'm more of a I'm more on the board of getting a uh getting a shorter year, so like two or three I would I would have been content if they gave him two or three for for five, ten mil cheaper. But uh, I mean, the Reds got to contend. They're obviously not most the most uh, desired franchise for free agents, so kind of might have to overpay a little bit. I was just a little confused too. I, I'm, you have Nick Senzel. Obviously, he's, he played great in outfield last year. Then you got Eugenio Suarez, and like you said, why like why'd you trade Scooter? They didn't. I, I remember the package for Scooter wasn't anything significant. And, uh, yeah, and he's a hometown kid. He grew up a Reds fan, and he had his best two years of his career there. It just seemed like it was a perfect marriage. If they if they felt they had an an opening and a need at second base, you just wonder if there was some sort of uh, feeling that they didn't think he was a resign or something like that. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really interesting because I mean, obviously, Scooter probably a better feel. He's definitely better glove. I think they're right, yeah. Up, yeah, right around the same age. Um, you get to keep him in his natural position. Moose is going to be moving a second, which I know he played good not last year, but still, you just obviously would rather have a have a quicker and uh, just more natural second baseman out there. So I don't know. And lefty bat, both lefty bats. So it's not like you were really. But the trade off there, in my opinion, was just kind of a more expensive. You're, you're getting a better player, I think so. But at the same time, you're paying way more you're taking a guy out of his natural position I, I, I don't know how I felt about that yeah it just didn't seem like the most clear fit and I would think that if you're going to give Moose that contract you'd be playing him at third base where he's just better at but that's not what they're going to be doing yeah I don't know I think they're going to have a solid year though I think Trevor Bauer's going to have a bounce back year uh you see Sonny Gray they've kind of rejuvenated him a little bit Luis Castillo is just an unbelievable watch maybe yeah. that's Maybe best changeup in baseball. Um, it's just I, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I'm definitely rooting for him. The NL Central is going to be tough though. It's going to be another year where four of the five teams are competing. I think the I think the Pirates are going to end up tanking here. That's uh, I don't know if you've heard much of those yeah. Marte rumors, but I'm hoping the Phillies can hop hop in there. I'd love to see Starling Marte and Kyle Crick in uh, Philly pinstripes. 
<laughs> All right, let's talk about another move. Um, really, I only got a few here. Um, let's talk about the next one. The Braves going and getting your boy, Cole Hamels. I know a lot of you Phillies fans wanted to see him back in the Philly pinstripes, but that did not end up happening. He goes to the division rival. Really, this move seems similar to what the Braves did last year with Josh Donaldson, where they saw a guy who is a little older. Uh, now, Donaldson is a little, he's younger than Hamels is, but Hamels, they see, okay, let's just give him one year. We'll give him close to $20 million. And if it doesn't work out, we're not tied down to anything in the long term. We can just let him go. Uh, but work, they, the Donaldson contract paid dividends for them this season. What do you think about this Hamels signing for the Braves? And were you upset as a Phillies fan that this happened? I think it made a lot of sense for the uh, for the Braves. I think they've had, in my opinion, probably the best offseason in baseball so far. Um, obviously not going to see a lot, whole lot coming from them going forward because they've got a lot of the moves out of the way, but obviously Will Smith, they've been, they've been adding to that bullpen and making that bullpen one of their strengths of their team. And I just think that move made a lot of sense. Like you got, there's no need to resign Donaldson. You've got Austin Riley coming up. Um, I mean, you've got your, your, your lineups loaded. The Braves have one of the best lineups in the game. I think that what they did need is pitching. And I just didn't, you never heard him in the rumors for Wheeler. You never heard him in the rumors for obviously like the, the two big dogs, Strasburg and Cole. So I think if they, if they whiffed on, on handles, I would think that they're going after probably, probably trying to find someone to trade. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a smart move. I think it's a great move for them. Obviously I was not happy. Um, I wanted Cole to come back and down those Philly pinstripes that he won a world series <laughs> MVP with. Um, but I think, now, in retrospect, too, after we after the Wheeler signing, I think it was a uh, I think it was a smart play for the Phillies to stay out of it. They're they've only got about twenty six mil to stay out of the tax right now. And although I have heard a lot of rumors saying that uh, saying that the Phillies are going to go over, and John Milton said said to hell with the luxury tax. <laughs> I think uh, I think there's I think there's better ways to get allocated that money. I think you got what one year eighteen million. Yeah, and the other thing I will say. Um, the other value to this move, having a veteran like they had with Keuchel last year for their staff that can pitch in the playoffs, that they need. They need another guy who can go in the playoffs. We'll see what ends up happening with Keuchel. But also just a veteran who can help lead some of these young guys, Max Freed, Mike Soroka, Mike fulton Absolutely. And to have that veteran leadership and provide a guy like that can function as a coach in an odd way. And so I think he's just oh. a great fit for that pitching staff and what they're going for. Oh, absolutely. The biggest thing for me that most disappointing for me out of this was obviously that he went to the Braves and <laughs> that, he, that he's really not going to be uh he's kind of changed his legacy as a Phil. He's, he's one of my favorite Phils of all time. And he wanted to come back even like publicly stated that still the house in the Philly area. And it's just sad because you know how the Philly fans are. They're uh, they're rash and love them, but they're just uh, they're not a forgiving fan base. So yeah. Remember J- Jason Worth got mega deal with the uh, Nats after he left the Phillies. Phillies didn't even try to resign him, and he got booed every single time he came <laughs> back. So I'm assuming it's not going to be a warm welcome at all for Cole Hamels in 2020. 
Okay, and I'm going to ask you now about the, the other big signing from last week that involves your Phillies. They pick up Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler getting close on 30 years. I think he's either 29 or 30. A um, lot of untapped potential there. Finished both of the last two seasons wonderfully uh, down the stretch. Post-All-Star break, had one of the lowest ERAs in the National League both seasons. So he ended the season with a lot of momentum. I think the Mets were really foolish not to deal him and at least get something for him or at least use him to clear off one of their bad contracts. He comes to, they sign him for $100 million five years. What's your take on this signing? Yep. I, uh, he's 29 years old. So, so yeah, you're right on that. But, uh, and yeah, I think it was, uh, it's five years, 118 or something like that. And yeah, at first, you know, I was, I was not really, uh, not ecstatic. I thought that was a lot to pay a guy who you're paying for potential. But then I, then I read into it and like usual, talked myself into it and I uh, got very excited <laughs> just because, just because the Phillies are making moves and pitching is our biggest need. So I was, so I'm excited about it. You know, I've, uh, I've done my fair share of digging on him and, uh, obviously the last two seasons he erupted after the all-star break, which is something the Phillies desperately need after these two September collapses. And, um, just, I think we needed that, that solid number two starter, maybe even number three, if we can go out and get someone else. But, uh, I think, I think I like the deal. We have the money to spend. He's got incredible stuff. And I think he's one of those guys that is going to change scenery and get away from, uh, the, you know, dinosaur mess who don't really <laughs> don't aren't very analytically focused. And uh, I think he's going to get away from there, and uh, he's going to go under Joe Girardi. If it was Gabe Kapler, it'd be a different story. But Joe Girardi, <laughs> um, I think I, I just think the whole the whole change of scenery is going to be big. Obviously, his wife wanted to come here because she's from South Philly or South Jersey or something like that, and and so so I'm excited about it. I think I think he's one of those guys that that uh, has benefits big time from a change of scenery. And you get the ace potential. I mean, he could definitely by the end of the year be our number one pitcher. And it's just, for me, it's all just a matter of health. I mean, I know he's had Tommy John and uh, he's missed a full season and a half, I think. And But other than that, I'm really excited about it. Uh, just obviously needed that number two starter, needed to shrug the rotation so we're not throwing Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez out there every, <laughs> every fifth day or even worse, Jason Vargas and Drew Smiley. This is what we were doing last <laughs> September. <laughs> but uh, I, I like I like the signing. It shows that we're uh, shows that we're we're in it to win. There's a uh, cool thing is actually uh, John Middleton, Philly's owner. He um, he was on the a couple of years ago. He was on I think WIP radio in Philly and saying saying that he uh, um, saying that when he when he goes over the luxury tax, that's how that's how we're the fans are going to we're going all in, and they think this team could win the World Series. And from everything I've heard, saying that the Phillies are going to go over the luxury tax this year, and so um, I don't know. I mean, bullpen's got bullpen's got a lot of guys returning. Bullpen was kind of one of our it was one of our strength last year, just just through picking up guys like Jose Alvarez had a great year. Um, but next year we're going to be getting back Victor Arano, getting back Adam Morgan, uh, getting back Sir Anthony Dominguez. I think if we can sign one other one other solid bullpen arm. I think the pitching, I think our pitching staff is going to be definitely one of the strengths of the team. So Zach Wheeler signing it, I think is big. 
A couple updates from the rumor mill. There's some talk that the Phillies could potentially be signing Didi Gregorius and Dylan Batances this week, reuniting them with Joe Girardi, which really I think discredits a lot of the chatter from people who say, oh, the Girardi, the, the young players really did not like Girardi. They didn't want to play for him. And now you're seeing two of them potentially choosing to sign and play for him again. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously you don't know how much of that is true. Um, you know how, you know, how young players are and that will be too is hook them up and they don't really want to, they want to do their own thing. Big egos, whatnot, still young learning. But I think, I don't know. I, I have a tough time believing that any player under him hasn't liked him. Cause just cause from what, yeah. from what I've gotten from, him, he's an awesome guy an awesome, co- an awesome leader. And just, is great with us that rabid Philly media too, which is pretty much our the most important thing we needed. But uh, I think I don't know. I, I like you said to uh, to your point about Dylan and Didi. That's those are the two of the guys that I, I've got on here that I I really wanted to make a move for. I'm thinking Dylan. We can get him on a one year prove it deal for somewhere around 15 mil. And then if we can get Didi, Didi's kind of a prove it. Both those guys are prove it players, and I've always been on board on that train where I think giving guys one year prove it contracts is one of the smartest things to do. You, you watched how it uh, turned out with Donaldson last year. It doesn't always turn out well, but I think one year is such minimal. And when you got plenty of the money, like the Phillies, one year is no risk. You're maybe getting back Del Matanzas or Del in his, uh, in his form, like two years ago, he was top five reliever in baseball. Definitely. And then Didi would just be an absolute, just an absolute uh, force to our team. You know, we've been one of the worst teams defensively in baseball for the last couple of years, and he's a sheer glove at short. Uh, Joe Girardi's gone a couple of different rants already about how much he loves Didi and his clubhouse presence. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's one underrated thing about baseball is when you're playing 162 in a year, you're playing every day. It's just, it can be an absolute grind. So having those guys like Didi who can, you know, be a great clubhouse presence and uh, kind of, kind of, uh, counteract on Gene Sakura's supposedly clubhouse cancer. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do with him. If we sign Didi, kind of hope we move on from him, but wouldn't be too disappointed if we uh, moved him over to second there, if we couldn't get any trade bait for him. I think he played second in Arizona already. I think he's yeah. done some second. Yeah. I want to run through two other uh, teams here. Um, and then I'll let you get a chance to give your plug and say goodbye to listeners at anything that we didn't get to talk about. Let's talk about the two teams briefly, very briefly in Chicago. News coming out from both teams. There's a lot of rumors flying around. White Sox are interested in Marcel Ozuna, and I really like what the White Sox have put together here. They've got a great young core, and it's actually, I think you're a Sox fan you're probably more excited about this offseason than Cubs fans are because the Cubs, it's like, oh my gosh, who are we going to lose? What's going to happen? This team's regressing. The other team has so much optimism. I don't necessarily see a fit, though, with Ozuna in the White Sox just because the Sox have a lot of bats. A lot of guys, though, that don't really have a position in Ozuna's defense has declined so quickly. He was a prim defensive player just a few years ago, but he's had shoulder issues. He's had some injuries. He's not the same guy defensively. I like the idea of him being a DEH somewhere, and I think he could 
put together some really nice seasons in the American League, but I don't quite see the fit here. I do like the uh, Riazmani Grandal signing, though. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think uh, I actually have him in, in my uh, moves I want to see for this winter meeting. Actually, uh, Sox signing Marcelo Zuna for four years, 70 mil is something that I'd... Oh, okay. So I'd you like it. I, I'd love to see it, but I completely get what you're, sa- get what you're saying with the, uh, with the lack of fit. Because, you know, they really do need more starting pitching. But the way, yeah. I, lo- the way I look at it here is uh, it's just pitching in general, but the way I look at it here is, is you're going to either Sox are going to end up signing Mad Bum for thirty million dollars more an extra year, or uh, like I, I just really have a tough time seeing them signing Strasburg and especially not G Cole. So I think it's I think for them it's down to either Mad Bum and then maybe even Ryu or I don't know. I just I just don't think there's a there's a guy there's a pitcher out there that the Sox. That, like, yeah, okay. Wheeler would have been the guy, I think. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Wheeler would have been the guy there, still 29 and entering his prime, hopefully. But Mad Bum, you really don't know where you're going to get with him. I think he's more, I think he'd be a better fit on a team that's actually going to have a shot to win the World Series this year. And he's already he's entering the later part of his career. And I think the Sox need to go after someone who, who can be a, uh, you know, like, Controllable. I, I think they should end up. What they, I think this option do is I think they should sign Ozuna for that deal, uh, bolster their bolster their outfield, their lineup general, and then go out and trade for some controllable starting pitching. Someone like uh, Robbie Ray, or uh, like one, yeah. Like, some, yeah, someone along those lines. I think that's their best ideal because you don't really want to. If you're a Sox fan, you don't really want to sign a pitcher in his 30s when you know you're still about a year away from legit contention. And, yeah, and, I hear you. And as a team, as a market, uh, like like the Sox are, where they really haven't been a team to shell out big money, and uh, it doesn't it doesn't seem like they're heading for heading for the luxury tax anytime soon. So if I were them, I would I would try and lay low in the books. Um, you know, not give Mad Bum five years, hundred mil, or four years, hundred mil, whatever he's probably going to get. And I would just I would try and allocate that money and. If they sign Ozuna, they have sneakily one of the best lineups in baseball. So yeah. that, that could win us some games alone. Yeah, in a hitter's park, and there are several hitter's parks in that division and some weak pitching, and that's a division that I think like them could have a quick turnaround in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've got one other Chicago baseball-related news story. The Cubs non-tendered Addison Russell last week, making him a free agent. I think the move makes a lot of sense for um, both parties. But I look at Addison Russell, and I, I know I'm in the minority here, and I'm not going to comment on any of the personal stuff going on there. But what I will say is he's 25 years old, has played in an All-Star game, and Jake, you might not know this. Do you know how many RBIs he had in the World Series when the Cubs won? They're not. Nine. Really? Yeah, he led the team in RBIs in the World Series and in the postseason for that team. Clutch hitter uh, in a lot of big moments down the stretch for them. Now, there's been a lot of other stuff that's happened since, but I look at this as... The Detroit Tigers have been in talks with Addison Russell. If you're a team that lost 100 games last year and you want to take a fire on a 25-year-old shortstop who has already made an all-star appearance, has a great glove, and potentially could, 
I, I, who knows what could happen. I mean, I still see an upside with this guy. If you're a team like that in the American league, I think this is a great guy to potentially take a flyer on. I'm not saying, okay. When I say great guy, I don't, I don't mean it like that. I just mean in terms of this is a great option to take a flyer on. Oh, I'm with you on that. I think it's a, I mean, it's low risk, high reward. You saw what he could do and his, uh, and his flashes of brilliance out there in that in that World Series run, great glove, and I mean, from what I've from what I've seen him, he's he seems like a seems like a good guy. You know, he's not yeah, he's obviously he's, he's obviously not causing you. He's not in the clubhouse starting fights or anything like that. He's correct. Yeah, he's, the stuff that occurred was outside of the workplace. In the workplace, the guys liked him. The player, his teammates liked him. You saw a lot of them supporting him on social media, just not in the sense of, hey, like we we love what has happened with him off the field, but they wanted to see him succeed on the field. They wanted to see him get his second chance. And I, he was one of the nicest guys at spring training the two years that I went, signing autographs with fans, taking pictures. Um, so I don't think he's any kind of a clubhouse problem, as you were mentioning there. Yeah, no, I think I think he'd be a good flyer. I think that'd just be a great low, uh, you know, just low risk, high reward move that you can potentially get a friend, get a, uh, a building block at shortstop for almost free. Yeah, you know. Okay, Jake, that's everything I have for you. What do you have for me? <laughs> uh, so just one thing, and uh, probably the most important thing about me about this uh, this MLB offseason for me is that the Cubs and the Braves do not. Um, do not become trade partners. I think that could be a dangerous <laughs> fit, and I think that could be a great fit. I think it just makes too much sense right now. I think the young that the Braves have, they have, and you could argue they have too much young pitching to to really, <laughs> to really, uh, you know, get those guys in the rotation, get their innings in. But the Cubs need that young pitching. The Braves need uh, Wilson Contreras. I saw, I uh, actually saw a deal the other day that. Gave me nightmares. It uh, it was I think, um, it was Wilson Contreras going to the Braves for, for like two of their young pitchers, and uh, right away I was I got nervous, and I think even with there's I think there's definitely some room there for a Chris Bryant trade because I know they've been dangling him a little bit, and I know Austin Riley could play left and and whatnot, but uh, I'm just really hoping that the Braves and Cubs do not do not add up as trade partners and. Uh, we keep those young young Braves pitchers young and on the team, and you know they don't cash them in for any uh, win now moves. <laughs> well, I'll give you why you might not need to be too concerned. The Chris Bryant thing, we're still we don't know what's going to end up. He end up having only one year left of control. That his arbitration hearing, or I guess it's not really an arbitration hearing, but this there's going. We still got to figure out. Because there's been this grievance against the Cubs, yeah. So that's going to tie them up from trading him until teams know how much control they're going to have. So that could be a mm-hmm. thing that's not resolved until February. So I think with the Cubs, I mean, and personally, I would love to see the Cubs re-sign this guy and make him a Cub for life. I think you, you know, he's an MVP, best player when they won the World Series, and still, in my opinion, the Cubs best bat i just think that if there's a move to be made it happens in the middle of the season with chris bryant i don't think it happens before but who knows we'll see what happens but i think that grievance is going to tie them down now if they got word 
over the next week. Oh, he only has one year left. Now I think you could start sweating bullets uh, as a Phillies fan because then I think they're going to make that trade. Um, So that could potentially slow down the process. That's my take on Bryant. The one with Contreras, the Braves did give Travis Darno $8 million uh, this year. I think another eight next year, 16 for two years. Um, I don't know if they'd trade for Contreras and put that much money at the catcher position. Um, so that's where I, I don't really know they could line up. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm, uh, I just, I, I just, I just think it makes a little too much sense. I mean, obviously the Phillies and Cubs. I've been looking for looking for a matchup there in trade, but it's just the Phillies don't have the young. Phillies don't have the young pitching. Braves do, and Braves are just that. Braves are a team that they're never really going to go with the big fish in free agency, but they've already got two big fishes on their team right now, and Acuna and Freeman. If they add that, Albies too. Chris Bryant, yeah, Albies is a stud too. But if they add that, that Chris Bryant, and you get three superstars, and that's when that's when it starts getting dangerous, and the Phillies are gonna have to settle for that wild card. (laughs) Anything else today, Jake? Um, one last thing. I'm a, as you might know, I'm a, I'm definitely a Brewers bear. Probably my second favorite team in the in the uh, MLB. And one thing I I think. I'd like them to do a lot is uh, I think one one move they make while Christian Yellis, their best player of all time is still in his prime. I think they need to sign Josh Donaldson to a four year, 70, $75 million. Take deal. him away from the Braves. Maybe too, right? by- That's the other nice benefit of this. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I think he, I think he ends up in uh in Texas. It's not maybe if depending on where Rendon goes, yeah. to, obviously, but, I would love to see the Brewers go out and make make a big splash like that. They just really, you just really never see the Brewers, you know, going out and signing free agents. Obviously, a small market team, but I think this is the, this is their window right now. You know, Christian Yelich is in his prime, best player in their franchise history, probably, and and Ryan Braun not getting any younger. So, so that's that's uh, it's one move I'd like to see, and then obviously Cubs and Braves just to make sure those uh, those two Theo Epstein and. <laughs> And uh, Alex and Topolis just need to need to excommunicate them. So, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good offseason, though. I'll give you here. We'll finish with this. I'm gonna give you a free agent. You're gonna tell me in one word the destination that you think they end up in. Because I know you've worked really hard on this. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. All right, we'll do the big three: Steven Strasburg. I think he ends up back in Washington. Okay, Garrett Cole. You know, I think uh, I think Garrett Cole obviously depended on on uh, Strasburg. I think Strasburg couldn't end up in New York too, but I think Garrett Cole ends up in LA. I think they I think they go balls to the wall, and I think they realize that they might they, they got to sign Mike or that they got to win with Mike Trout now, and this is their window. You saw him shell, shell out to Pujols, and I think if he got the same offer than he that he did in uh, New York, I think he'd go to LA. So I, I really want to see that. Too. I'd love to see that. So I then the Yankees don't get either of them. I know. Yeah, that's uh, that's one thing that it's it's tough to grasp. But I can definitely see the Yankees signing Strasburg. I can definitely see him signing G Cole. Obviously, I'm a little biased because I don't like the Yankees. But uh, <laughs> but and I'm kind of wishful thinking, you know, hoping that they're not going to sign one of the big free agents, which is probably kind of uh, kind of a very wishful thinking. But I'd love to see G Cole go to go to uh go to go to Los Angeles, go out west, get in the go to the AL, 
and then or stay in the AL, and then Strasburg. I'd love to see him go to the AL too, but I think the Nats will end up resigning him. Okay, and the last one, Hector Rendon. Or, ha, gosh, I've <laughs> called him Hector Rendon so many times. Anthony Rendon. Interesting, uh, interesting Twitter read. I'm actually reading right here. I uh, oh. just, I, I was just peeping through to see if we had any rumors, and uh, there's one on that. The Phillies are, uh, I guess, going all in for. It says one official involved in this market believed Philly was more of a more than a casual player on Rendon. So obviously, Jack, I'm gonna go with my boys. We uh, find Anthony Rendon. Package uh, package Reese or Bohm for some pitching, and uh, that's exactly what I want them to do. But we'll see. I think I think realistically he ends up in in Texas though. Going back home, it seems like they want to give him the money. I think he's going to end up in either Texas or L.A. I think he could. I could really picture him with the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers might be. I don't want to use the term restless. I don't think they're getting restless, but I think they could be hungry to make a big move i think we might see something like that so yeah absolutely i think and they're being quiet this offseason i think they're gonna they're gonna strike i could easily see them <laughs> signing rendon and trading uh, justin turner oh i was gonna say or even moving to first i don't know if uh if they want to do that with throw bellinger because i know they're talking about trading agent pollock so you could potentially move bellinger to center from justin turner over to first and wow that'd be a scary lineup <laughs> Yeah, it would. Jake, you did a great job. Absolutely knocked it out of the park today on the Jack Vita Show. Thank you so much for joining me. Lastly, before I say goodbye, is there anything that you would like to plug or promote here? You want to throw out your social media handles, anything like that? Nah, nah, I'm uh, not a huge social media guy. Usually, use my <laughs> just just use my Twitter to uh, keep up to date on the on the winter meetings and all things sports, but. I just want to say thank you for having me on, Jack. It was a great time. Yeah, my pleasure. We'll have to do it again sometime in the new year, either with yeah. Major League Baseball coming up or March Madness, something like that. Yeah, I'd love to do a uh, March segment, maybe a little 50-50 March Madness and spring training baseball. Yeah, and I know you're big on the NFL draft too, so that could be the yeah. perfect time. Absolutely. All right, look forward to doing it. Thank you so much, Jake. Have a great day. All right, take it easy, man. Appreciate it. That was a fun conversation. Wow. It's funny. I was texting Jake to set up this conversation, this podcast, and he told me he was only going to have about 45 minutes, and that ended up, he kept saying, oh, no, I, I got a little more time. I got a little more time, and we ended up going an hour and a half. So hopefully I did not make him late. I gave him plenty of opportunities to opt out, but... He was having so much fun, and he did an excellent job for us today. Coming up on the podcast later this week, I'm going to, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm going to talk with Paul Oren from the Northwest Indiana Times, and we're going to share our all-MLB decade team, our all-decade NBA team, our all-decade NFL team, and our all-decade college basketball team. So that is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to call it All Decade Sports. We've got a bonus episode being recorded this weekend. Santa Claus 2 on the way with Tommy Weber. He comes back after we did our Santa Claus 1 last year, one of our most popular episodes uh, from 20. 
18, the first year of the podcast. We're almost done with year two of the Jack Vita show. If you'd like to show your support for the podcast, as I mentioned in a previous episode, I'm in the process of ordering a lot of Jack Vita show stickers. They're going to be three inches by three inches. You can put it on your water bottle, your door if you're at a college campus or your apartment or on your laptop, wherever you want it to go. But it'll be an opportunity for you to rep the podcast, help get the word out about it. If you live far from me and you don't live in Chicago area, I can mail the stickers to you if you are able to give me a little bit for the shipping. I can't imagine it being more than $2 for me to mail. It's not going to be a very heavy order of stickers. Uh, So just if you'd like a sticker, whether you live near me or you don't, message me on Twitter, message me on Instagram, send me a DM, and I'll hook you up. If you would like to get in touch with me, on social media. My Twitter and Instagram handle is at Jack Vita Show. Very simple. Just the title of this podcast at Jack Vita Show. Love interacting with all of you listeners on there, hearing your thoughts on the episode. Let me know where you think Garrett Cole is going to end up as a free agent and Anthony Rendon, not Hector Rendon. <laughs> not hashtag not Hector Rendon. Let me know who you think the Bears, what the Bears should do at quarterback next year. I love hearing your thoughts. I love hearing your comments. If you enjoy what you're listening to on this podcast, subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and you will never miss an episode. You will always be notified whenever there is a new episode available. In fact, the subscribers are the ones who get the podcast before it's distributed to the Apple Store. So that's there are many benefits to subscribing. Make sure you do that. If you like what you're hearing, leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Those reviews go a long way on the podcast. In fact, I think I'm going to start reading the five-star ratings and reviews at the end of the episode so people can get a shout out that way you can even in the reviews you can give a an idea of oh i like this episode but you know what i'd really like it if they covered the nfl draft or did an episode on elf or whatever you can give some suggestions uh just be friendly only five star reviews anything less than that is going to hurt the podcast so if you're going to give a rating in a review give a five-star review write a few kind words goes a long way to help me and this show thank you again to everyone for listening looking forward to getting more content out to you soon thank you for staying patient with me as i recovered from bronchitis have a great week bring in the dancing lobsters <laughs>